You are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. On this week's episode, we talk about God-led obedience in our Christian walk. Um, And we'll be talking about Joshua chapter 6. So Ben, can you give us a little bit of context starting out and then go ahead and read the the passage that we have for today? Yeah, Phil. So so Joshua chapter 6 is the story of the walls of Jericho and of the Israelites marching around the wall seven times. And and we'll read that. But the context leading up to this is the entire rest of the Old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) Read from Genesis to the beginning of Joshua. (laughs) So, but what we're going to focus in on is Moses. So we see Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And he gets them to the promised land, and they won't go in because they're scared of conquering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God says, okay, you're going to go out into the desert for this 40-year exile, and the next generation mm-hmm. will inherit the promised land. And in this uh, consequence, this exile doesn't extend to Moses at first, but and eventually mm-hmm. does. So Moses dies, and uh, Phil, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast but maybe outside of jesus uh moses's death is is the most powerful one that i read in the mm-hmm. bible i think you might have mentioned it once or twice yeah, or I, five times maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that uh god brings moses up to this mountain he shows him the promised land he says this is the land that i'm going to give to your your uh descendants and then Moses dies on this mountain by himself, and so God buries him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's cool. God yeah. buries Moses. Uh, so, okay, Moses is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joshua and I think Caleb are, are made the new leaders over the Israelites, and Joshua's the main guy. Mm-hmm. So he, he brings them into the promised land, and they cross over, and they're getting ready to come on, I think might, might, might be their first big... Uh, conquering, mm-hmm. which is Jericho, and so they send spies into this city, and they meet Rahab, and we meet Rahab the prostitute, who gets a promise from the two spies that when the Israelites take the city, her family won't be harmed. And uh, they come out, and they they were talking, and they're not sure what to do, and that's right where we'll pick up where God is going to tell the Israelites and tell Joshua what they need to do to take the city. Mm-hmm. So starting in at the uh, Starting in Joshua 6 at the start of the chapter. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites, no one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the ram's horns. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven ram's horns, ram's horns, Philip, in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, Move forward, march around the city, and have the armed men go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, seven priests carrying seven ram's horns uh, before the Lord moved forward and blew the ram's horns. The Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. 
While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed men went in front of the priests who blew the ram's horns, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the troops, Do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying seven ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed men went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priests blew the ram's horn, and Joshua said to the troops, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, but the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live, because she hid the messengers we sent. But keep yourselves from the things set apart, or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and make trouble for it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. So the troops shouted and the ram's horns sounded. When they heard the blast of the ram's horns, the troop gave a shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. They completely destroyed everything in the city with the sword, every man, woman, both young and old, and every ox, sheep, and donkey. End story. <laughs> So, Phil, what's sticking out to you in this passage? So, um, in the beginning, uh, the very first verse, verse you know, it uh, says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely uh, barred because of the Israelites. So, the, the, the thing is, they knew that they were coming. And they, they honestly, they knew that there were two spies that had come in mm -hmm. and, and kind of, you know, spied things out and stuff. But I did a little bit of uh, research. <laughs> on uh, Jericho that is least as much as what uh, we know of it. And it, when it talks about a city that is fortified, it is fortified. Like this city was on a hill. It had walls that were, I think, like at least 20 foot high and like eight feet thick. It was, it was Dang. huge. Yeah. And obviously, if you think of any fortified wall, you know, you have guards on it. Um, I think I even read something about they were they were at the ready to shoot arrows, had oil to dump on, mm -hmm. hot oil to dump on uh, their enemies. And, it, and it, what was said is a lot of times what would happen because of a fortified city like that, um, they would, the enemy would go up and kind of surround it and just wait until that city starved out mm. till they needed food and then obviously if you need food you got to open up your gates and if you open up your gates you let your enemies in yeah um so a lot of times that in warfare that's what would happen but in this case that doesn't really happen if anything the guards would are probably laughing at mm. the israelites at this point you know they're marching around no army in their right yeah. mind leaves themselves that vulnerable just to walk around the city when when you know that the guards have the potential of attacking you yeah um but we don't get a glimpse of that not to say that maybe it did happen i don't know but um we don't really get we don't see that here but if i was a guard on the jericho wall 
and I see an army doing something that I would think is ridiculous. You can only imagine he's, you know, got his other guard buddy over here saying, <laughs> what are they doing? You know, they're never going to be able to take us. You know, we have the advantage. We have the height advantage. We have, you know, m- far greater uh, military stance than they do at this point because really Jericho had the upper hand on the Israelites. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool that when you kind of look at this uh, text here with the idea that Jericho wasn't some you know pushover city that they could have just took if God didn't help them anyways. They had a big enough army. No, um, if they didn't have God in this situation, they would have all died yeah. basically because they were not in any position to take Jericho. But God says to do it. So I think that's kind of cool. I also think, you know, it it shows us also that as simple something as simple, even though it took seven days, really though, something as simple as, as obedience, which is what we're going to talk about today on this episode, but something as simple as really a shout. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he after they marched around seven times on the seventh day, he tells them to shout. And, and obviously, you know, the walls come tumbling down the, the you know, the veggie tails and all the, you know, the uh, children's uh, church stuff you know the walls come tumbling down and but that's literally what happens yeah. and, and this wasn't some a uh, wall that made out of legos this was a wall that uh, would take would take months probably for uh, an army at this time to penetrate to get through because it was just that big so i think that's cool ben does anything stick out to you uh, you've covered a lot of what i think are the important uh, parts of the story but the one thing I would want to uh, just talk about is how far the Israelites have come at this point mm. and and this is and maybe I'm wrong and Phil if I, you know that go ahead and call me out in front of everyone but this is I think the first instance where God has said I want you to do this and I want you to trust me with and they did it and trusted him without any real knowledge that something good was going to come of it. Like I'm thinking of like the Red Sea, like the Israelites got to the Red Sea and it wasn't parted already. And they're like, well, we might as well just go back to Egypt. What'd you do? Drag us out here because there weren't <laughs> enough graves. Yeah. And, and then Moses parts the Red Sea and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go across. Mm-hmm. But here they come to this city and it's a whole new generation and God says march around it seven times seven days and I'll take care of the rest yeah. and they do it I think I think with that um, I'm sure there are probably other moments where you know obviously stuff like this happens but I think the the difference is a lot like with the Red Sea most of the obedience didn't come from the Israelites it came from one man it mm-hmm. came from Moses Moses had to be obedient yeah and because Moses trusted in the Lord um, he was able to, to part the Red Sea, and the Israelites benefited because of that. But really, in this picture, you see everybody have to do it. Yeah. This isn't, and you'll talk about it a little bit later, but everybody has to follow these details, not just Joshua. Every single one of the Israelites have to come to the realization that they have to do something as crazy as what they're doing because God says you'll get the city because of it. They didn't know for sure, I, at least in the text, it doesn't give us that uh, idea that the wall was just going to explode or however <laughs> it happened, and they're going to just be able to walk right I think, in. I think it must have imploded. Imploded, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, that's the big thing I see um, when, when we're talking about that. 
you know, because really through the Old Testament, you see one man, you see Moses, who really, you know, you have Joshua in there, you have Caleb in there, you have Aaron, you have all these other guys in there, um, but really it comes through the obedience of one man. Now we're sort of transitioning just a little bit. It's still Joshua's, mm-hmm. it's his responsibility still. Um, he is the leader. But it, this is where you really see Israel, the Israelites coming together in the o- obedience to God. Yeah. So I think that's really cool as well. But um, we'll, we'll get here in, in the meat of what we want to talk about, and that's God-led obedience. Um, and I think uh, with God-led obedience, um, there's a lot of difficulties, mm. especially when we talk about this type of obedience. Um, we're not ta- just talking about read your Bible. We're not just talking about praying. Um, we're talking about something that, seems so simple but actually means um, a lot yeah um, and that is what what we're really going to be talking about here this god-led obedience so ben can you just talk about some of the difficulties people might have with with this god-led obedience yeah well phil i think we can run into a lot of obstacles when it comes to obedience and and some of them are just as simple as it's hard to be obedient, and I think you're going to talk about that some, but just it, it can become a grind, mm-hmm. and, and that's not a bad thing, but it, sometimes you just have to know when to push through that grind, and the, but other things is that it feels useless sometimes. Mm-hmm. It feels like you are pushing, and you're pushing, and nothing's happening. You, it doesn't say in the text, but day five of this march around Jericho, let's say that they are getting like the full treatment they're getting arrow shot at them they're getting hot oil dumped on them they're getting maybe other things you know just tossed at them hurled at them they're getting yelled at insulted like day five there's no signs that god's gonna take care of them because that's still two days away and that's still Mm -hmm. what eight rotations around the city there was had to be some of them who were thinking is this gonna work yeah Right and rightfully so, because when you're in the middle of it, you can't always see the other side, and that can be hard. Another one that I wanted to talk about is that, and and this covers this as well, is that oftentimes it's counter common sense. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is a great example, of the story of the walls of Jericho. The other one that I had uh, down was fasting. Mm-hmm. You know, as Christians. We uh, something that we do in order to uh, grow closer to God, in order to show our dependence and our reliance upon God, is it's something that we do is we abstain from food mm-hmm. for periods of times. You know, in the Catholic Church, they abstain from I think meat for like the entirety of Lent. I don't know how Lent works, <laughs> but that doesn't make sense. We need food to eat. And the fact that we are willing to give it up because God calls us to, mm-hmm. obedience, God-like obedience, sometimes just doesn't make sense, and we need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. The last one that I had, and I'll hand it over to you, Phil, is that sometimes it can be countercultural, especially in, in a really heavily politicized time like right now. Uh, we see things like abortion or same-sex marriage and, and those are things that Christians have a pretty hardline stance about. And it seems very countercultural to what's going on mm-hmm. in the rest of America and, and uh, several other country, Western nations. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Uh, but we just need to 
know what we believe, know what the Bible says, know what God is calling us to, and stay true to it. You know, with with some of the things that you said, Ben, it is it can be so difficult because this wasn't something like, okay, like it was just only the seventh day. You know, it's one thing for God God to tell you to march around the city seven times um, and then, you know, shout and boom, you got the city. Um, it's another thing for God to tell you to do it for seven days. And then on the last day, you're doing it even more. Like you said, about that fifth day, you're like, are we just doing this for nothing? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of believers uh, fall into that trap. Is they get on this grind and they, they get to about the five day mark. And the five day mark can look a lot different for other believers. But uh, I'm going to use that analogy here. But they get to that five day mark and they say, is it even worth it anymore? Is it really worth it to, to keep doing this God-led obedience? Is it even worth it uh, to be countercultural to the world? Because um, with some of those things that you mentioned, it can just feel repetitive. Like, okay, yeah, this is where I stand. This is where I stand. This is where I stand. But then more and more people are, are telling you the opposite. So it can get very repetitive. It can get, uh, the God-led obedience can be boring at times. It can feel meaningless. Um, it can uh, it can really just put this unwanted weight upon your shoulders and you feel like um, it's not really worth it anymore so I'll just go about doing what I want because um, it's easier to do what we want than it is to, to follow God's uh, obedience but um, I want to to move to uh, why why it feels so meaningless you know it can feel it can feel very meaningless to keep doing, what the Israelites did here. Something simple, just march around a city, you're going to get it if you do the things I tell you to do. Um, that doesn't make any sense to us, cause, and it's not supposed to, because then it only relies on God at that point, mm-hmm. because it cannot be explained any other way. It's unexplainable uh, for the Israelites to been able to take a city by marching around and shouting. Um, it's, uh, it is a miracle that that even happened, and only came uh, through God and their trust in God, because if they didn't trust in God, why would God give them the city yeah. in the first place? And I think that's, that's important for us to understand that, that even when it feels meaningless, there is meaning behind it. God doesn't have us do uh, meaningless things uh, for, for things that are meaningless. We don't just do things to do things. Um, God has a purpose for all of us. And even in the small things, God sees the bigger picture in it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important uh, for us to, to understand. Uh, there are lots and lots of difficulties. But I want to read First John 2.17 here. And this kind of just puts it, uh, I think, a little bit more in perspective. There's lots of verses about mm-hmm. obedience. But uh, this verse says, uh, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God's obedience lasts forever. Yeah. Um, the, the obedience we have here in the world, that not saying that we don't obey certain things because we should. Um, that is also God's obedience to obey earthly things uh, to a certain extent. Um, and you got to trust in the Word of God for that. But the world isn't here to last forever. We can put our, all of our stake and, and all that in, in the world, but it's going to eventually fade away. Mm-hmm. But the things God has us doing here has an eternal purpose. Um, so even in the small things like marching around a city or, or, or um, doing something at your local church that, that seems uh, 
repetitive. Maybe yeah. maybe it's certain things that we've talked about here in the church, like you do sound or you clean the church or or you uh, you just do maybe some things that are looked at as small things. Um, I would just like to remind you that that those things have an eternal purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we might never see them. You know, there are certain things that feel meaningless in our obedience that we don't reap the benefit of. Yeah. Meaning that they're actually meant for somebody else, but that's the benefit in it. That's the benefit in knowing that even in our meaningless obedience, um, other lives can be changed because of it. And I think that that's cool um, that we also get to partake in that. You know, it's not, that's not really looked at so much in, 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 a, in a believer because, uh, you know, it can can be difficult to get past our, our, our selfishness look, you know, to, to get beyond what we see and, and focus on the eternal things, which yeah. that's what we're called to do. Because like the verse says, the world and its desires pass away. Um, this is why we are called to focus on the unseen, the eternal things. Um, so I think that's, uh, that is in itself the difficulties. Um, you know, there, there are sinful things that can play into the difficulties for sure. Um, and I would say that's your first obstacle. Have God remove the sin in your life. Then work on those other things. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to, to probably more of the meat of what we're talking about. There's, like I said, lots and lots of difficulties here. But um, there, is, there is importance in obeying the details. Yeah. And, and we're going to look at a couple different ideas of that, Ben. Um uh, Tell us really what happens right after this. Yeah, so I don't have the verses in front of me, so forgive me if I screw any of this up. It's just in the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what happens is, uh, you know, we see it in chapter 6 where Joshua lays down these these rules for the plundering of the city. Basically, everything valuable belongs to God. Don't touch it. Yeah. And so they go, they plunder the city, they move on to their next target, uh, their next mission. AI. AI, thank yeah. you. I knew it was something simple. And they get their butts handed to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember if God specifically tells Joshua, but basically they they find out that someone plundered mm-hmm. Jericho when they shouldn't have. Yeah. And they might, they might cast lots. And they cast lots down and down and down until... They, do, they divide the people by people by people yeah. by people. That's what the verse says. Until they have uh, this one guy, Aiken. Mm. And Aiken admits it. He's like, oh, yeah, I took some stuff. I think he says he buried it back in his mm. tent. Hit it, hit um, it in his tent. And oh. what happens is his whole family gets put to death, mm-hmm. which is just wild. Yeah. But it is what it is. That was the cost of his disobedience. Mm-hmm. The cost, and we see other places. We see all, see that intense uh, sanctification, that set apartness of the of the Israelites. We see. I think it, in Moses's time, there was a a clan of the Israelites that was trying to rise up against him, and so God literally opens up the ground beneath them and swallows mm-hmm. them up into hell, still alive. Um, so we see this heavy price for disobedience, especially in in this story, and that's just wild to me. So that's why it's an That is why it's important you to might obey. Get so. Swallowed up, yeah. So you don't get swallowed up in the hell. So you don't get stoned. But I think they all got. I think they got burned too, and then they piled rocks on top of them, and they made their grave like a marker. Yeah. 
Uh, so watch out, Phil. Watch out. <laughs> the other big thing is, is that as we see Israelites' conquest of the promised land, God is, is very specific. He says, hey, don't leave any man, woman, or child left alive. And it's a super harsh and hard to understand through our modern lens. Yeah. Um, but the Israelites do this to a point, and then after they go so far, they kind of get a little lazy, and they and these people are surrendering. So they're just like letting them live, and eventually they intermarry, intermarry with these Gentiles. And, and we see this as one of the reasons for the eventual decline of Israel, why they get uh, taken over by Babylon and subsequently several other conquering empires mm-hmm. throughout the course of history. Uh all because they weren't obedient. Yep. <laughs> but Phil, what do you have for the importance to obey the details? So, so with what uh, what Ben here is talking about, there is a high consequence mm-hmm. to disobedience, and and these are the extremes of of disobedience. But uh, I would say, and most people, most believers have heard, the, you know, the passage that says God disciplines those whom He loves, and. And, and God disciplines us. He does. And, and, and with our disobedience, God uh, is a just God. And God shows that there in chapter 7 of Joshua that, that he specifically says not to do this, but yet somebody does. And uh, I don't like using it like this, but it is this, is Achan is used as an example. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they set up like a... a uh, what's the right word? You said marker, so I'll use that too. But um, <laughs> as a, as a representation of you know what has happened, like it was supposed to be a reminder of what has happened, and I think that's important for us not to just gloss over. Yeah. You know, we have to understand that there is a price to be paid for our disobedience, and 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 that is not just an effect of of us because you know yeah Aiken you know his life was taken away and his family's life was taken away but I'll go back to what you said they went to conquer AI and 36 men died mm. because of of Aiken's disobedience so not only is his life taken 36 other people's lives were were, were taken as well but and most people would say well it was war you know of course but that's not what God has pro- promised them yeah. he said if you obey if you do what I tell you to do nobody's going to perish you're going to conquer the cities i'm going to give you these cities you know and he says god says i'm going to remain with you but because of Achan, god's wrath remained on them until they dealt with the sin and they deal with it and god deals with it but some of these other things that might not seem as harsh as that (laughs) but uh i would say that there's dangers in not following the details yeah and i'll and i'll use this the story of, of noah here really quick because you know, God lays out very specific details for, for Noah to follow. And it's and, all right there, yeah. too. And, and and if Noah didn't follow those, he would probably spring a leak in his boat and not make it uh, all the way. And his family won't make it all the way. See, so there are important... It's very important to trust in the details that God gives us because it could be our life. Yeah. Um, and that goes with the story that we just talked about, but also in just this. If God tells you to build a boat this way, this way, this way, this way, you better build it that way. <laughs> because if you don't, um, you just might not make it. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to understand. But I'll go here just a little bit uh, in a different direction also that 
um, we begin to grow beyond that whatever we ever thought that we could grow in our in the details. So when you start to get these kind of repetitive, meaningless obedience things from God, and you follow them to the T, we begin to grow even more than we ever thought we could. Yeah. Because that those meaningless things, you find meaning in them. And that really separates someone who trusts in God and someone who has trouble trusting in God. Not that they don't trust God in some things, but there are things that are harder to trust God in, um, but we still have to do them. Um, even even when some of the times it feels boring and meaningless and, and repetitive, we find meaning in them because we know that there is the unseen. Yeah. And we know that we can, can trust in God to lead us through the unseen, through the unseen that we have here in this world to where we get uh, to the unseen, which is heaven. So I think that's also important for us to know that you're going to grow. You're going to grow uh, much, much more than the believer who has trouble in this God-led obedience that we're talking about. Yeah, it, it, it makes me think of Caleb because mm-hmm. towards the end of the conquest of the promised land, we see Caleb as this super old guy. I think he's like maybe in his 80s or 90s. <laughs> and they're they're conquering the last little bits. And obviously they've saved the hardest to conquer places mm-hmm. for last. Like this very mountainous uh, terrain. And Caleb looks at Joshua and he's like, you see those mountains? Those are going to be my mountains. <laughs> Give them to me as my inheritance. And I'm going to take my guys and I'm going to go conquer them. Because I'm as strong as today as I was 40 yeah. years ago when you and I got sent into the promised land to spy it out. Yeah. Like, we see Caleb who's been obedient this whole time. And at towards the end of his life, he's just as ready to go mm-hmm. as he was in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, a- exactly. I think that that's, that's really cool. That's a great story uh, as well. But uh, here, here, the last thought I have on this importance is is just knowing that God has our best interest. Mm-hmm. God's not not giving you meaningless things because he's ran out of things for you to do. Um, God didn't uh, tell the Israelites to march around the city for, for nothing because we know that there was something to come, and that was the city, and that was the beginning of their conquest. Yeah. That was that was to give... I could only imagine if you're an Israelite, okay, and you're doing what you're supposed to, you march around the city, maybe you do have a thought in the back of your mind saying, well, uh, this is this really going to work? <laughs> or are we just going to have to go back to, to, to the start and then do what we normally do for our military conquest? Um, but no, God gives them the city. They mm-hmm. walk in, in a, in a city that that shouldn't have been able to happen. That would blow your mind. Any doubts they had had to have been gone after that. Yeah, and then, and then that leads us in where in chapter 7, they just thought that they could go into AI with less people. And they could have mm-hmm. if there wasn't disobedience in, in the Israelites right under their noses. Um, but here we see that also in Romans 8.28. You know, Paul here says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according uh, to his purpose. See, God works all things good so even in our boring meaning meaningless obedience god is working it out for good and like i said maybe it's not specifically for you even though good will come from it we talked about growth that growth is yours but also in in this in this god-led obedience there's other lives at, at stake as as well you know it's not just about you it's not just about your family it's about everyone yeah every human being on earth 
um, has the potential to benefit from your obedience in the Lord. And if that is as something as going share the gospel, that's probably the, the easiest one to draw the connection because you're, you're being obedient and sharing the gospel and then that lost person become saved. You don't benefit from it. You are already saved. You're already a believer. You already have the Holy Spirit. The person that you led to Jesus Christ benefits from it. Yeah. And that itself should give you meaning, should give you purpose, should give you the motivation to continue to be obedient. So Ben, do you have any any, uh, any final thoughts here? No, Phil, I I think what you said kind of sums it up the best way possible. That that idea that God has our best interest at heart, and and the obedience that we display now, even though we might not benefit from it in our lifetimes, maybe we're being obedient for the benefit of someone else, for one of our descendants, for mm-hmm. some for a future member of our church who will never get to meet. Like mm-hmm. our obedience now and the actions that we take now have ramifications that we just might never know. Yeah. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so so here, before um, I give us the weekly verse and, and we close out here, um, I just want to remind you that something so simple as this, something as so simple as marching around a city or something as so simple as cleaning the church or as simple as, as just... Um, doing whatever God calls you to do. Maybe it's something that you deem small. I, I'll tell you that it can lead you to victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it led the Israelites to victory, but it also does the same thing to us. When we are obedient, we have victorious life. Uh, we have a victorious life. When we are obedient, we are more than conquerors. Yeah. We, we actually experience that verse when we trust in God and be obedient to whatever he has, whatever, whatever it is, even if it, it's so small that um, I know a lot of, I hear a lot of, oh, I've heard a lot of pastors say that if God wanted you to roll a peanut down the pews, that you better do it or that there's a purpose behind it. Um, and I would say the same thing. Now, it's peanut, probably, <laughs> I would assume God wouldn't call us to roll a peanut, but I don't know. I wouldn't assume that that God would tell a whole army to march around the city, and he said, don't worry about breaking the walls down. I'll do it for you. Um, and But we see that. So I'll say yeah. that something so simple as this can lead you to victory. Yeah. Um, so the, our weekly verse this week is Joshua 1, nine, which says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, well, that concludes our episode for this week. If you would like to leave us a comment or a request for an episode, you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Kingdom Faith.